Hi, I'm Amanda. And I'm Katie. And we're the founders of the Best Life Moms Club and hosts of That Pregnancy Podcast. We are two moms with a bunch of kids under the age of three. Five to be exact. And we know firsthand how hard it is to be a mom. So we're here talking about topics that no one ever talked to us about. And not only is it hard being a mom, but it can also be lonely and isolating, which is another reason we're here to help make moms like you know that you're not alone. Now it's important to know that we are not doctors or medical professionals in any way. So always talk to your doctor and healthcare providers directly about any questions or concerns about your health or the health of your baby. We are moms sharing our lived experience and talking about everything pregnancy and life as a mom. So grab your cold coffee and tea that's been sitting out for three hours and let's have a chat. Hello and welcome to That Pregnancy Podcast. On today's episode, we're talking with our friend Jess, who's sharing the birth story of her daughter. While Jess was pregnant, she ended up with RH incompatibility, which took her from a pretty perfect pregnancy to one that was high risk. Luckily, this is a happy story and her beautiful little girl is healthy and thriving. If you're listening to this because you have RH incompatibility, please know that you are not alone and that there are others, like Jess, who have experienced this and gone on to give birth to happy, healthy babies. So Jess, do you want to start at the very beginning and let us know about your pregnancy before you had complications? Well, it was a good pregnancy. We um, deliberately got pregnant, which was good. So we were delighted to be pregnant. Um, And I felt really good, which I know that's not everyone's story. So... No, I no have, morning like, sickness? Yeah, none. Like maybe once, maybe one day. I remember being like, oh, I feel a little bit nauseous. But yeah. actually, I was fine. I had good energy. I was a little tired in the beginning. But it was a it was a pretty good pregnancy. I really had no complaints. Oh, that's awesome. Lucky you. It sounds similar to my pregnancies. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I had a couple of days where I was nauseous, but I didn't puke, except for with Caroline. I would say that it's similar to mine yeah. as well. Like, I was nauseous more so than vomiting. I don't, Freya, I never vomited and been, I don't think I vomited either, but I was nauseous quite a bit. Oh, but it's rough. We're lucky. Yeah. But Ooh. being tired is definitely part of it. So, oh, yeah. so you, you didn't, you had obviously, it was pretty easy going to start off. Yes. Easy going to start off until we got to the part where it wasn't. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, okay. So, what happened that was not easy? Yeah, so around the 28-week mark, I went for the gestational diabetes blood test, right, which I think is pretty routine. And um, I got a call from my doctor saying, hey, when we got your, your results back for the blood, um, it's showing a really funny positive on um, these antibodies that like, have nothing to do with gestational diabetes, but just, you know, can come up sometimes in a blood test. And she was like, I really think it's a false positive. Like, I don't think you have anything to worry about, but she was like, just to be on the safe side, do you mind just going back and getting the blood test done again? And I was like, sure, no problem. So I went back and I got the blood test done again. And then she phoned and she was like, listen, this thing, this, these antibodies that we weren't expecting to see came back positive again. So we have to assume that they, they really are there, that it's not a false positive. So I was kind of like, okay, this was all brand new information. And I was right around the time that I was going to get receive 
this thing called the Rogam shot, which mm-hmm. um, no, we all have it. Yeah. Okay. So we must all have um, O negative blood. Well, all it just has to be negative. Yeah. Oh, negative. I, I'm a negative. I'm O negative. Yeah. Okay. So you got it. Yeah. So as long as, as I understand it, if the pregnant mom has negative blood and the father has positive blood, then there's this shot that you can get. It is a blood product itself, right? And you go and you get this shot and it prevents the creation of these antibodies in your body, yeah. right? In your blood. Mm-hmm. So that's what I was scheduled to have. But then when this blood test came back, what it showed was that the antibodies that the shot would have prevented were already present in my blood. Oh, so, no. yeah, so I couldn't have a shot to prevent the antibodies because they were already there. Oh my oh, God. Geez. Do you know how you got these antibodies? Well, that was the big question. And I have to assume, like, it's honestly, it's just a medical mystery because what they told me is there's three possible ways that I could have um, established or created these antibodies. The first way is if I had had a miscarriage, an undetected miscarriage, which has to be the answer. That has to be the other, the answer, because the other two ways are, have you come into contact with blood, which I had not. And then, yeah, like, have you worked with, um, like monkey blood. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, was it the monkey blood yeah. thing? Monkey yes, blood. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, no, I certainly don't work in a lab <laughs> with monkey blood or anything like that. Oh. So it has to be that I had an, I must have had an undetected miscarriage. That's oh, geez. And then that is what caused all the events that ended up happening. That is exactly right. Yeah. So it was quite a whirlwind from that point because as I, as I said earlier, it was a really easy pregnancy up to that point. I was feeling good. Everything was kind of going to plan. And then all of a sudden it was like, okay, well, you have these antibodies in your, in your system. Um, we're just going to monitor them. Like we're going to watch them kind of closely Um, And then I, like, obviously I did a bunch of research and I started to learn, you know, some of the language that the doctors use. And Mm -hmm. what I learned is that, so they're watching for these levels of antibodies in your blood and they call them titers, right? They refer to the titers. And so what it is, is they said, okay, well, when we first, first tested your blood and we got this positive result back, your, your titers were one in eight, which as I understand it, it means that they have to dilute the blood eight times in order for these titers, these antibody levels to become undetectable. So they were like, one in eight is not terrible. Like it's not super high. So we'll just keep an eye on it. So I was like, okay. But then they started sending me for blood tests uh, much more frequently because they needed to keep an eye on it. And at the same time, they transferred our care to McMaster Hospital. Which is a children's hospital. Yes. And we needed to see a specialist. So we could no longer be, we we had to sort of change our birth plan, right? We could no longer, we had been going with, um, we wanted to go with a family doctor, Mm -hmm. um, but they needed to send us to a specialist because they were like, this is now considered, you know, quite a high risk pregnancy. So that was all scary. And then when I started going for these other blood tests, um, what I learned very quickly is that what happens is you get like this runaway effect. So you get almost like a hockey stick graph where the titers start to double and then double again and then double again. And so I remember when they first tested the blood, it was one in eight. Then I think on the next test, it was like one in 16. So they had to dilute the blood 16 times for these antibodies to become undetectable. And on the last blood test I had, they were one in 256. Oh, geez. So is, that, is it good to have lower numbers? It's not good to have lower numbers. Oh, no. Lower I mean, numbers is what you want. Sorry. The okay. higher they go, the more alarmed the doctors were. Okay. 
I was like, oh, you know, diluting 16 times doesn't sound too bad, but that means your tighter numbers are getting bigger. That's right. Yeah. Which is not good. Yeah. So then what ended up happening next? So you have all this stuff happening and then obviously your pregnancy is progressing. Yeah. And uh, at, at what uh, week did they decide that Poppy needed to arrive? They, they were monitoring us, um, you know, much more closely, as I said. I only ever went to McMaster three times. So I had two visits. And on the third visit, they were like, the baby's coming tomorrow. And <laughs> we were how like, many weeks were you at that point? Um, the, the, when I first started going, I was around 28, 29 weeks, something like that. 30 maybe. And then I think we went, you know, two weeks later. And then um, she came a, a month early at 36 weeks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what they do is in that, in that additional care, like in following you more closely, they do these blood tests. I remember the physician said to me, she was awesome. Um, but I remember she said to me, we don't make decisions based on the titers alone. So yes, your titers are going up and that is concerning, mm -hmm. um, which means this reaction is taking place whereby your body detects the fetus as a foreign object and is essentially trying to it's a horrible way to say it, but like trying to expel it from your body, right? Yeah, because it's seen as a foreign entity that it's trying to get rid of. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Um, so, yeah, I remember we went uh, and they said, we will not make decisions based solely on the titers, but we're going to watch some other things. And so we started to have more frequent ultrasounds. And the other thing that they watch for is they watch for blood flow through the brain. So there's something that goes on. I'm certainly not a doctor, not a medical professional, but there's something they were watching for where they can see that if the blood flow through the brain is affected, I have to assume it's maybe less than what it should be. I don't know. Mm -hmm. that, that is when they will make the decision to um, bring the baby out. Basically, they will say there is you know, less of a risk to the baby of you know, being induced and being born early than there is if the baby is to stay inside longer. Right. Um, so that's what they did. So we went on our third visit, we went, um, we had a month still to go in the pregnancy and we were expecting that perhaps uh, the baby would be born like a couple weeks early. And then, yeah, I'll never forget. They said, no, we're going to induce you tomorrow. So oh, were wow. you able to go home with that? You went home and said like, oh my God, we have to get ready. Or did they say we're admitting you now and you're being induced tomorrow? No, they said, come back tomorrow. And uh, we will induce you tomorrow and the baby will probably come the following day. It was a, it was a Friday. Um, so the baby was coming that weekend. So we did, we were able to at least come home and like pack a bag. And then, I mean, this is kind of funny actually, but we ate at a pub on the way home. Like we stopped and had lunch and we were like, wow, this is really scary. Like it's all happening. And somehow my husband managed to get food poisoning. <laughs> what? Oh my God. No. <laughs> Yes. So then we get home that night <laughs> and he's like, I don't feel so good. <laughs> so oh, then he goes down. I was like, well, you need to stay far away from me. I'm about to have a baby. Like I'm going into the hospital. You need to go downstairs. So I kind of like banished him to the basement and he was extremely ill. <laughs> really? Yeah. Like puking all night. And so then the next day I had to go get induced and I mean, like my mom had to come with me. I couldn't take him. He was like bedridden. Oh, I didn't know this. Oh yeah. No. 
Yeah. So my mom drove with me and I was induced at the hospital and then they sent me home again. Like, even though I had been induced, they said, okay, just like, let it happen sort of thing. So I'll never forget. Yeah. The night before my daughter was born, um, I was upstairs in the family room, like in labor, like writhing around on the floor in pain. And I was texting my husband to be like, um, it's really bad up here. (laughs) (laughs) You might want to come up, you know, but of course we didn't want to, we didn't want to share germs. We weren't sure if it was food poisoning or if maybe it was like a a flu or something. Yeah. We laugh about it now. So was he there when she was born? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, get it together in the morning. I was like, you have had two days now. I went to the hospital by myself. I got induced by myself it's time for you to be okay. You haven't eaten anything in two days. Like, hop to it. More than anything, <laughs> if it wasn't food poisoning, like, your concern is that the person might have a bug and you can't go into a hospital and certainly yeah. not have yeah. um, with a flu or something. But we are quite confident that it was just probably something that he ate. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, so I was like, yep, yeah, you know, start the car kind of thing. What type of induction method did they use on you? Uh, what are my options? So there's, like, the bulb or there's the cervix gel. The cervix gel. Did they put a bulb in to space you or did they just kind of do, give you a cream on your cervix? I think so. And there was yeah. some sort of very painful like swooping motion. Oh, that's a stretch and a sweep. Okay, that. Yeah. And it worked, obviously. It sure sweep. did. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So then, so like she was delivered vaginally. Yes. Like, the delivery, everything went smoothly. Um, yeah, it did go smoothly. I mean, the other thing that that we had had leading up to her birth, which was really helpful, again, I can't say enough about the staff um, at the hospital that we were at, Um, they had prepared us for what to expect with the baby. So not only with the birth, but we knew that this baby was going to be small, so she was going to be a preemie, and we knew that she was going to be sick, like she was going to have these these. I guess, effects of, you know, having been inside with this, um, it's called RH incompatibility. And then the babies are born with something called hemolytic disease of the newborn, which I hate saying that sounds so awful. (laughs) It's like such a nasty name, but they know that babies who are born with this condition, they have severe jaundice, like very, very, very severe jaundice. And typically they have anemia as well, which makes sense because my blood was attacking her blood cells. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we were, we were very well prepared because in the delivery room we had, I think there were like five neonatologists waiting to get their hands on her. Oh, wow. um, so the delivery itself was smooth, very smooth, but then it's like, um, pretty stressful and like pretty upsetting. I never, we never did skin to skin. I didn't hold her for like three or four days. Yeah. Right. Because they just I know that feeling. I know yeah. that feeling. I know. Yeah. Nick, you mom yeah. over there too. Yeah. So then, so after she's born, they whisked her away. Yeah. And then what happened with you? Well, not going to lie. I was pretty high and I probably shouldn't have taken all the drugs because I don't even drink alcohol in my regular life, but I, no. I offer drugs if you need it. Yeah. You I drugs and you need expect, it. So I kind of just accepted everything they offered me. Yeah. So I was pretty high. It took me quite a few days to come down. Um, but yeah, they, you know, they, they took they took me up to a room. Um, you know, Craig came with me. They started me um, pumping right away because they knew that I wasn't going to be able to breastfeed her for at least to even try for quite a few days. Mm-hmm. So we started to try to get my milk to come in. So get right on the pump machine and get it going. And then of course, like, you know, you're, you're 
like bleary and you know scared and all that and then and then of course you you know you want to see your kid so then the visits started in the NICU so did you have to spend any extra time in the hospital because of all this or they just discharged you within a day or so they kept me there for three days. Um, not for me. There was nothing wrong with me at all. Yeah. Um, they did that because they were able to do that to keep us close to our daughter so that we could just be living like, you know, in the room down the hall from where she was staying. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after the three days, of course, what happens is they need to free up that bed, right? So she mm-hmm. wasn't ready to come out of the hospital, but I had to get out. Yeah. Um, and so they were really incredible. And um we ended up staying at Ronald McDonald House um, in Hamilton there. So they put which us is right up. across the street. It is, yeah. 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 So they ended up putting us up there, which is great. Really, really helpful that we could still be super close to her. Of course, she was born in winter. So we were like, you know, setting the clock and pumping milk every three hours around the clock and then like running across the intersection in the middle of the night in, in like blizzard weather. So that's a lot of what I remember about those early days. Are there any long-term effects to you as a result of this incompatibility? The short answer is no. I will always have these antibodies in my blood. They will never go away. Once you have them, you have them. And I'm a big, big believer in donating blood. I was, I was a believer and a, and a blood donor prior to this happening, but certainly since it happened, um, you know, I feel even more strongly about the importance of donating blood because when Poppy was born, she needed three blood products to kind of recover or get over the worst of the jaundice and the anemia and what have you. And I'm, I'm so completely grateful to those strangers who sat there and donated blood in order to, um, I mean, in order to save her life, like they literally saved her life, right? People we don't even know. Mm -hmm. So I still donate blood, but I have a special card (laughs) that says that uh, my blood is weird, right? Like I have, I have these antibodies. And so I asked them at Canadian Blood Services, I was like, you know, can I still donate blood? And they said, yeah, what we'll do is we'll match your blood with someone that also has these antibodies. Yeah. So that's, that makes sense. Yeah. So I guess there's people out there who have these antibodies who need blood and then they'll say, okay, well, here's some blood that has those antibodies. And then that's how they'll do it. So I leave all of that up to them. So that's one, I mean, one very minor thing I can still donate. It's just that they have to match it up. And, and you did, you did something really cool uh, with Poppy's birthday. You asked people for, for a birthday present to Poppy to donate blood on her behalf. Yeah, I don't know how oh. many did. Which I, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, because Poppy yeah. just had her birthday. She's, uh, you know, three now. And mm-hmm. uh, that was what you had asked for for her birthday. Oh, I love that so much. Yeah, isn't that nice? Yeah, well, I mean, honestly, we got off easy. Like, it was very traumatic and everything. But when you go to the blood clinic, like, you hear a lot of stories, right? And certainly lots of them are about babies, too. But yeah. I mean, whether it's a baby or a child or an adult, I mean, anyone you love and care for, you, you know, you want them to be okay. And it's heartbreaking if they need surgery or blood or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, that is something that we did and, and, and we'll do that again. Just try to encourage people. I mean, I was the most squeamish person in the world about giving blood. I was so scared, um, but I managed to to get over it just because like, I'm a really charitable person. And I was like, what's something that I can do? I can't just give all my money away. Right. Like what's something that I can do? And I was like, I think I could probably give blood. And then it just really came full circle. And my daughter was born and she needed blood. And I was like, wow. I am so grateful to the people who did it. So yeah, for anyone that's able to do it, um, I just think it's, it's the most incredible gift that you can give. Yeah. 
And is Poppy's totally healthy now? She's recovered. Everything is okay now for with her. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It um it took a few weeks after she came out of the hospital. So she was in the hospital for two weeks, and then um after she came out, I had to keep taking her to uh, the. There was like a clinic at our local hospital. Um, and she had to, poor little thing, like they prick their foot to get the, the blood out, clinic? you know, and I, the belly clinic for the, the clinic. Yeah. Yeah. I used to take her there. Yeah. Um, and so I had to sort of just monitor, they had to just monitor her. And there was a little bit of a scare in the first month where they thought she might have to be readmitted because the, the billies were going back up, but, um, no, she was fine. And she really has just gone from strength to strength. That's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> Jinx. so do you have any advice for any other parents who are going through the same thing oh gosh well when I think about people going through the same thing like my heart just breaks so hopefully they'll maybe they'll find this podcast and be able to listen because man that's the only thing I wanted I wanted it like worse than anything was to just know someone anyone who had been through this so that they could say to me oh yeah I went through it it was really scary but it actually turned out to be totally okay and I didn't have that um I didn't have that so I you know I would say this is so hard to do this the hardest thing to do and I did not do this but I would say stay off of google Mm. (laughs) yeah it doesn't help it really doesn't help you're going to read all sorts of horror stories about terrible things and you know this condition if left unchecked in the developing world like it's certainly it certainly can um claim a child's life right like it, it can be very very serious and even life-threatening so just don't read that stuff would be my first my first advice and I mean if you're fortunate enough to live um, in this part of the world or you know in a part of the world where you have access to really good medical care I guess what I would say is there's a really good chance that that probably things are going to be okay and and then <sighs> this is hard too and I don't think I did this very well but try to en- try to enjoy the rest of your pregnancy like try to enjoy being pregnant because it's a really special time and um it's hard not to let it be tainted by the fact that it it becomes a high risk pregnancy yeah well i think it's just the nerves too right you don't the unknown puts that kind of yeah. shadow on it right so it does make That's it right. harder i just wanted to know someone anyone and um Yeah, I really, and then I'll tell you really quick, funny anecdote is that when I was in the hospital and we had delivered, um, I was really like groggy, you know how it is, right? You're just walking around and you're jam jams in the middle of the day in a hospital, right? Like, and, um, I ran into my neighbor, like someone who lives maybe five doors down from me. And we just both like paused and stared at each other. I was in the NICU, like behind the security clearance. And I, we just kind of stared at each other for like 10 minutes and that, 10 seconds, sorry. And I was, <laughs> I was like, that's a really yeah. long, no, 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 10 seconds. And she was like, Jess, like, what are you doing here? And I, I said, well, I just had a tiny little baby. What are you doing here? She says to me, I work here. I'm a nurse in the NICU. Oh, <laughs> really? If only I had known, like talk to your neighbors, because if I had known this person is like a lovely person who I would always stop and chat to in the neighborhood. Yeah. If I had known that she worked in the NICU and could have easily said to me, oh yeah, I deal like I work with babies like that all the time and they mostly turn out to be fine. It would have given me such peace of mind. How much peace of mind did you have when you realized like 
Poppy's not by herself. She knows some, like there's somebody there who I know who is there with her. Like, did that not comfort you a little bit when you weren't there? It really did. Yeah, it really, really did. Um, I had something similar too with, with both mine in the hospital. And it was just like, when I'm not there, I know that somebody who I know and who cares is there. And it was just like that kind of, it just helps a little bit. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's really, uh, really special. And I still like, I still see this person around the neighborhood and I'm like, Hey, she's three now, like doing great, you know? So yeah, it's really special. That's awesome. Oh, I did have a question for you, Jess. Um, sure. Did your doctors ever tell you like what the odds are of having this happen to you? But- yeah, I can't remember the numbers. Like I honestly, I wouldn't be able to give you a statistic. I do remember them saying it was very, very rare yeah. uh, that this would happen. I remember my, my family doctor saying to me, um, I've never seen this before. <laughs> Really? <laughs> yeah. And me thinking, oh, wait a minute, that can't be good. And then they sent us to another doctor who had like in the same clinic who had a lot of like 20 years experience or something, um, delivering babies. And I remember him saying, yeah, I've not seen this before. And that's when I started to really worry. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, this guy has 20 years experience and he's never seen this. But when they sent us over to McMaster, of course, they see it all the time. So mm-hmm. it's rare, but it's not unheard of. Um, so yeah, I, d- I don't know what, what the actual odds are and I, I mean, I'll rare. never know why it happened to us, but that's, that's our story. That's part of our story. And if you had told me that it would be so complicated at the beginning, I probably, you know, I, I'm an anxious person. I probably would have been like, oh, I don't want to do this. But I mean, if you had told me that, you know, who I would get at the end of it, it was all worth it because she's spectacular. She definitely is. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of That Pregnancy Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for an upcoming show, we would love to hear from you. You can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. We are at Best Life Moms Club. Until next time.